Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Story breaking this morning that Cam Newton is out the next five days due to COVID protocols. The Patriots released a statement which read, and I quote, On Saturday, Cam Newton traveled to a club-approved medical appointment that required him to leave the New England area. He received daily COVID tests, which were all negative. The statement continues, quote, Due to a misunderstanding about tests conducted away from NFL facilities and as required by the NFL, NFLPA protocols, Cam will be subject to the five-day entry cadence process before returning to the facility. Cam will continue participating virtually in all team activities and return to the club facility on Thursday, August 26th. End quote. So let me once again say, welcome to the NFL in 2021. You know, this is very clearly a reminder that no matter how badly people want to be that way, we're not back to normal. We're just not. We're not back to normal no matter how badly you want us to be back to normal because people are still getting sick. People are still dying. Now, I'm not exactly clear, and I don't know exactly what a, quote, misunderstanding about tests conducted away from NFL facilities means. I'm not sure what they mean by that or how there could be a misunderstanding about that and other elements of COVID protocol this year. How are we not all dialed into that? It seems to me that every team and every player would want to study those COVID requirements like a playbook. The last thing you want to do is screw that up or have a, quote, misunderstanding about them, especially if it's going to cost you time away from the facility because there are high stakes in all of this. Like if this happened just before the start of the regular season, we're actually in the middle of the season. Is Cam Newton starting the next game or is it Mac Jones? So, and then focusing on the Pats for only one moment, the thinking had been that if you wanted to be the starter in New England, you were going to have to rip that job from Cam Newton. And the fact is, Mac Jones or anybody else had not done that yet. As good as Jones has been, and as much as he has looked like he belonged, he still had not made it undeniable. He should not, or he still had not made a case that it's undeniable, I beat this guy out, that's my job. I mean, Josh McDaniels even said as much yesterday when he was asked about the quarterback position. I know this is going to sound silly, but I mean, I haven't really worried about it. I mean, I think that decision, you know, from Bill will 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 be made when the time is right to make it. I mean, Cam certainly is is the is the starter now and he has done a good job. Right. So in other words, if you're going to dislodge that guy, you've got to rip that gig from him. And that's not something that Mac Jones had done. Not yet. Now, if this were a normal NFL season, in a normal year, that'd be enough. Cam Newton would be your starting quarterback now and for week one, and he'd keep that job until somebody took it from him. And that might not happen this year. That may not happen next year. That may not happen for years to come. He had looked pretty good so far. However, this is not a normal NFL season. It's not a normal year. We're not back to normal yet. There are COVID vaccines. There are COVID protocols, and that's going to play a factor as well. Seems to me a decision to remain unvaccinated and what that means for COVID protocols could cost you your job. 
It could rip your job from you. It could rip a game or games from you. It could cost you and your entire team, which is all the more reason why the league is trying to get as many players vaccinated as possible because they want to make sure that COVID impacts the season as little as possible. They don't want starting quarterbacks missing games due to protocols. They don't want teams having outbreaks and having to forfeit a game. Nobody wants that. And the decisions that players make about whether or not to get vaccinated is going to have an impact on the season. It already is. And I understand that this is a really sensitive issue. I understand that it's a really personal issue. I also understand there is a competitive advantage that comes with being vaccinated and having everybody on your team vaccinated. There's no disputing that fact. There is a competitive advantage that comes along with that. And in a league where guys are supposedly willing to do absolutely anything to win, anything to get on the field, this is, in fact, a factor. So Cam is not saying whether or not he was vaccinated. However, only unvaccinated players are required to be tested daily. So it would indicate, I can't confirm it, but it would indicate that he was not vaccinated. And the fact that he's now out until Thursday means that Jones is going to get a ton of reps with the first team, including in the first joint practice with the Giants. The fact that Cam Newton is now out until Thursday means that Mac Jones has a chance to rip that job from him. Doesn't mean it'll happen. It just means that Jones has an opportunity now, more of an opportunity. It means the door has been left open for Jones. And that's something you never want to do as a competitor. Not if you're Cam Newton. Because guys who are like Mac Jones, who are competitors, who don't get ready but stay ready, are ready when they get that opportunity because they know they never will know when they get it. So when you have a lead, you want to close it out. You want to finish it off. You do not want to leave something to chance or to the protocols. Bottom line, I understand that this is a very sensitive thing. It's a very personal choice. But that personal choice is not only putting you at risk, but your entire team and potentially maybe it's season. Who knows? 1-800-636-8686. So again, I understand the personal nature of this. I understand that it's a personal choice. I also understand the ramifications of not being vaccinated. Now, that doesn't guarantee that you won't get it. But don't you want to do everything you can to follow protocols and do everything within your power to not get it? So now he's going to miss five days. 1-800-636-8686. And he had been playing really well. So the unknown came in 2020 and it changed the workplace forever, right? Some of us are getting back to the office, but some of us find ourselves in a new normal at home. The future of work has changed and so is the future of seating. X-Chair is at the forefront of home and office seating during this transition. And now X-Chair's newest innovation, the LMAX temperature regulation will take your seating comfort to a whole new level. Patent-pending LMAX allows you to experience cooling, heat, and massage in your lower back. Crazy, right? Are you feeling stressed from too many Zoom calls? Then turn on the LMAX Massage Therapy and relax. 
X-Chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar support was already best in class with incredibly responsive low back support. Now with LMAX, your comfort is guaranteed. You will not believe the difference until you feel it for yourself. Imagine regulating your body temperature and getting massage therapy while you are working. Do this. Go to xchairrome.com right now. That's the letter X, chairrome.com. Or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR and save $100 off your order. X-CHAIR has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month. Go to xchairrome.com right now. Use the code XWHEELS for free X-Wheel blade casters. xchairrome.com. Terry Spellar, my guest, from a defensive back standpoint, from where you were sitting, who would you rather face? A vet like Andy <laughs> Dalton, who doesn't have the highest ceiling ever, but has seen a lot of stuff, or a rookie like Justin Fields, who you know is dynamic, man. The guy's electric, but you can throw stuff at him that he has not seen before. Generally, as a DB, who would you rather face? Uh, you know, early on, I, w- I would rather face the rookie. You know, I, I, w- I, would, I would be honest in saying I would rather face the rookie just because it's things that they haven't seen. Um, obviously, Justin Fields is a great athlete as well. He ran, you know, high four three four fours, um, so he can make things happen, and, and he can extend plays and even make things happen with his arms. But, you know, early on, I would rather take on the rookie. But as he gets these reps under his belt, some real live rounds out there later on in the season, uh, you know, week 12, week 13, um, you know, I, I, I would want Justin Fields to be out there and be the starter from in that Chicago Bears locker room. But uh, early on as a defensive back, I, you know, you always want to take the rookie early. I get that. <laughs> Darius Butler back in the jungle. All right, so what about Darius Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson? They were back in practice for the Colts today. What did you make of that video that the Colts posted of Wentz moving around? How did he look to you? I mean, that was incredible. Uh, you know, obviously not being in the building and not knowing the – severity of the injury is all question marks but um you know Frank Wright and, and Chris Ballard they've been very very positive uh, from the jump even right after surgery um as far as the outlook for for uh, Quentin Nelson and Carson and um to see that video and then I've heard that he's done seven on seven and you know he was throwing and one-on-one so he was doing pretty much a full practice you know because quarterbacks don't get hit obviously so um I mean very very exciting news for uh for Coach Nation you know, I'm happy, you know, that, he, that he's healthy and, I, and I'm, you know, excited about this season, especially if he's going to be taking a snap week one because <laughs> the quarterbacks behind him right now, Easton and Ellinger, don't, you know, don't look great. So um, if he can be out there and be healthy, man, I'm excited about that. I mean, that'd be amazing, right, especially given the procedure he had. Is there any part of you that might be concerned that he's coming back too quickly given that he just had foot surgery? Uh, you know, that was, that was A.B.'s take. He, was, he said, you know, kind of nervous he was still hold off um because this is an injury like you said that goes back until high school i think but um you know it's a long season it's a 17 you know game season this year so i don't think the coach that staff you know i know that medical staff that training staff i don't think they'll they would rush him back there back out there in the field if he wasn't ready you know this is the guy that you hope is the quarterback of your future you wouldn't risk that for you know holding him out or putting him out there two more games early, like I, I don't think that'll be the smart decision. So I think he'll be ready if he's out there week one. And um, those videos, I mean, being this this close to removed from surgery, 
uh, were very, very impressive and uh, surprising. They were. I was really surprised when I saw that myself. Darius Butler breaking it all down for us for a few more moments. Darius, what do you make of John Gruden ripping his team off the field after a training camp fight or fights with the Rams? I mean, the players didn't seem to be really bent out of shape about that. So when you're going through joint practices with another team and guys are jawing with each other, I mean, aren't fights inevitable? Isn't that just a lock that that's going to happen at some time? Definitely going to happen, uh, it, especially with the joint practices. But even, you know, practices amongst your own team, you may be a little more hesitant to fight your own teammate. But once another guy finally comes in there with another jersey, another helmet on, you know, those things are going to happen. Um, it must have gotten to the point where, you know, it was affecting the practice and, and the time. You know, time is, is super valuable to these coaches and these players in training camp. So if it got to the point where, you know, guys are, you know, getting in little spats and dust-ups in every drill, maybe you just separate and just end the practice. But, uh, you know, they, they need to be pros, man. Get through the practice and then maybe take the helmets and pass off and square up uh, like Hill and Shepard out there in uh, Cleveland and uh, New York. Yeah, seriously, I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to say, what about Sterling Shepard and Troy Hill? They did square up without their helmets after that joint practice. What did you make of that? I mean, that, it, had to be, it had to be a lot of chirping going on during practice. Um, you know, and I, I had to call my guy Anthony Walker. He was in, he was in the background, and he his face that he had his facial expressions were hilarious. So I had to call him and get the scoop. But like I said, it was a bunch of chirping during practice, and then um, you know they they squared up after. And uh, you know I can respect that. It's smart. Don't break your hand on a helmet, and you go do what you got to do, and you got to show up to practice the next day like nothing happened. You know, it's a lot of testosterone out there on that field. So those things are going to happen, but at least they didn't affect you know the flow of practice. So, Darius, how did you approach that when you played? Like, training camp fights, did you get into them, or did you do what you could to steer clear of them? You know what? I, I was trying to preserve my energy, man. You know, it, it was hot out there, and, and, you know, I'm doing a lot of running. Like, you know, it may be a little push in it, but as you get older, you know, you, you, you kind of stay out of You stay out of the fray. You stay out of the mix. But the guys that talk the most trash are definitely the DBs and the wide receivers because, you know, we, the big guys, you know, it's too hot for them to be, you know, going at it. They got to save and preserve their energy too. But uh, I stay, I try to stay clear of training camp fights. Now, if one of my guys got into it, you know, you got to add on because we definitely watch the tape after the fight, and it's going to be pointed out if you didn't uh, act accordingly for your teammate. In fact, it, it kind of elaborate on that. That's a fact, right? Like if that comes to be and you sit down and you watch that tape, that your guys in your room, they're going to say, hey, man, where the hell were you? Where were you? That oh, happens, for, right? Oh, yeah, for sure, because they always keep the cameras rolling. And, uh, you know, the coaches, they're going to get on, on, on TV and the pressers and say, you know, we can't be having those things happen and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, coaches, I think they quietly, you know, they get a little, they get a little excited about those fights. And then you kind of see, you know, how certain guys are wired because, um, you know, it's going to be some, you know, some repercussions from that. But if your guy goes in there, if it's your quarterback, somebody hits your quarterback later, you know, somebody blocks a, a DB of yours downfield after the whistle or excessive, you know, and they, they get into it, you got to show up. And um, you never you never pull your own guy out of the pile. You pull another colored jersey, and you always got your teammates back. We definitely watch that film and break it down. So you um, got to be accountable at all times. It's good stuff. Darius, before you go, you were also tweeting the other day about the gunner position. For those who do not know, what is life like as a gunner? You know, fortunately, I don't have a ton of firsthand experience. I was able to finesse my way out of playing some real gunner, but I was a part of the vice who were the guys responsible for stopping and blocking the gunners. And, man, those are the guys that run down and uh, should be the first guys down the field 
on a punt team and usually on punt return teams, you put two guys on them, so it's a two-on-one fight. You know, you, you, it's two grown men, you know, going against one. So you got to have a different mindset to be good at that position for even a year. So a guy like Matt Slater or um, Taiwan Jones or somebody like that who's been doing it over a decade and still dominating out there, I mean, it's 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 a different life. It really needs to be a, a 30 for 30 or a documentary of some sort on that gunner position and how those guys are wired. I like it. It's like it's not a position; it's a lifestyle, right? You gotta have you gotta have some a little off to do to, to, to do that. And it's been some freaks of nature that they put out there too. Adelia Thomas, you know, Brandy Jacobs. I'm sure has had some reps. I remember seeing Greg Hardy out there, Gunner. Um, so it, it, it's one of those positions where it, it's 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 kill or be killed. Put it like that. Here's some real talk for you. Two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're 35. More than 50 million men in the U.S. suffer from male pattern baldness. And there are only two FDA-approved medications that can prevent hair loss. Keeps offers both. Keeps is offering a simple, stress-free way to keep your hair. Convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered straight to your door every three months. You do not have to leave your home. Plus, low-cost treatment starting at only 10 bucks per month and Keeps offers generic versions. Discreet packaging, proven results. Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competition. Prevention is key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results, so you want to move on this quickly. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Rome. Receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Rome and get your first month for free. K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Rome. Monday always means we have ourselves another NFL roundup or actually a football roundup if there's college games too. Because it's exhibition games... This roundup and everything that comes with it also comes with the world's biggest caveat. That said, let me start this by saying something I rarely ever say. And then I'm going to end it with something that I have never ever said. As for the rarely ever say part, let me start with four letters. J-E-T-S. J-E-T-S. Jets. 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 I rarely say that. And if I do say that, it's definitely in jest or to mock them. Rarely would I ever compliment them and say J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. So let me hit you with four more letters. Z-A-C-H, Zach, 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 because the Rook looked good against the Packers. In fact, he looked damn good. I know Jets fans are still smarting from that Carl Lawson injury, and you should be. I get it. But Zach Wilson had himself a day against the Packers, and that's got to help a little bit, right? Remember when everybody was freaking out about Wilson having that rough first scrimmage with the Jets? I really hate to say I told you so. In fact, no, I don't. I told you so. I know Jets fans always have a sledgehammer at the ready to pound that panic button. But that was not the time. And just because he looked good in a Saturday game at Lambeau does not mean he's a Hall of Famer either. I'm not saying that. But he did look really good. And this guy absolutely can throw the heck out of it. 
That's not me talking. That's Aaron Rodgers. He said so in the middle of the game. Quote, he can throw the heck out of it. When Aaron Rodgers says that you can sling it, you can sling it. And it's not like he was just showing off this howitzer either. He was accurate. He completed 9 of 11 for 128 yards and a couple of TDs. He looked good. There was this touchdown pass to Tyler Croft. Left in again, the block at the left tackle. And to the end zone, they go, and it's a touchdown. Beautiful catch. Terrific throw. Brought down by Tyler Croft. Touchdown pass of 18 yards by the second overall pick, Zach Wilson, out of BYU. Hey, listen, I'm not Jordan Palmer, QB guru, but I don't think I need to be in this case to know that this guy looks right, throws left, freezes the safety, vet move from the rookie. And then after that, there was this to Tyler Croft for another TD. First and 10, Wilson, Croft on the move, got the ball. Oh, with a great side-stepping move. That is a touchdown for the Jets. Croft with his second. Second touchdown pass by Zach Wilson. That was a sweet move. Sweet side-stepping move to get in. Look, I don't know exactly where you had Tyler Croft slotted on your fantasy draft board. Actually, I probably do. That guy was probably nowhere near your board. But you might want to pay attention to him. Am I right, Alvy? Get ready, fantasy hawks to a funny fantasy honks. What? Drew Jumpman Joe. Get ready, what? fantasy hawks to a funny uh, fantasy uh, honks. Uh, 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 uh. Wasn't talking to you, big head. Alvy, am I right? Dude, dude. What would you do with this guy? I don't know, but I would tell you this. Based on this weekend, the rook would appear to have some chemistry with the vet. Again, I'm not going to get all crazy and go all stat head on exhibition games, especially when he has not faced a full starting defense. But the fact that Wilson had a 154-7 passer rating was pretty nice, as is the fact that he still has not had a single three and out in a game. And so was the fact that head coach Robert Sala had this to say about him after the game. His process is light years ahead of what a normal rookie's process will be, and uh you know, so for, for him, it's, again, the results sometimes will be good, sometimes will be bad. And he's just got to continue to find ways to get better when he sees both. And he will, and he is. And this is why you don't overreact to one bad scrimmage. So, while the verdict on Wilson after the second exhibition game was pretty clear, the prognosis on Trey Lance, who I discussed with Darius Butler, actually changed a number of times throughout that same night. If you saw his first three series against the Chargers and you wanted to overreact, you were prepared to make Jimmy G the starter and you were wondering if the Niners had blown that pick or wondering what the Niners were thinking when they made that pick because Lance was one of five for nine yards with a pick in his first three drives. But then something changed. He went from looking overwhelmed and overmatched and nerved out to looking like the guy who is going to rip Jimmy G's job. Especially when he took the field with 57 seconds left in the first half and he went 75 yards for a TD with 12 seconds to spare. Again, I know, it's only an exhibition game. But that 75-yard drive was more impressive. Way more impressive than that 80-yard TD pass the week before. This was a series. This was him going no huddle, picking up yards, moving the chains, working against the clock, and getting it all done in 45 seconds. It was a guy 
who was turning a rough night into a very good night, and it was huge. So was his second scoring drive, which took more than six minutes and ended with this. Third and four, Lance over the middle, it's caught for the San Francisco touchdown, Benjamin. Well, and that was a fastball to a fast player. Great job of looking the safety off to the left. The ball perfectly delivered. The momentum carries Benjamin into the end zone. Nice. He got real nice. Now, if you're wanting Kyle Shanahan to name him the starter right now, he's not going to do that. He's not even going to tell you how he'll know when Lance is ready to be the starting quarterback. But know this, Trey Lance is going to be the starting quarterback at some point. Maybe not week one, but at some point. We know that. Shanahan should not be in a hurry to tell you when. He's not, and he shouldn't be. But you know he's got to be feeling pretty good about that draft pick and about the future of that position in Frisco. He's got Jimmy G, who was good enough to get them to a Super Bowl and have them in position to win. And then he's got a kid behind him with crazy, crazy upside, crazy talent, crazy poise, crazy maturity. And he also is electric. So if Jimmy G does go down, which frankly he probably will, he does. It wouldn't be the first time. It's not going to be the last. He generally does at some point go down. Even if he goes down... Or even if he doesn't, Trey Lance is going to be ready at some point, and sooner than later. And speaking of ready, are you ready for this? Are you ready for me to say something that I don't think I've ever said in my life? Are you ready for me to say something that I don't think I've ever even thought in my life, much less said privately, much less on the air? I don't even think I've ever thought this. Here it comes. And I can't believe that this is going to come flying out of my pie hole. Ready? Wait for it. It's coming in three, two, one. Mitchell Trubisky did the damn thing. (laughs) Wow. Mind blown. I can't believe it. I said it. I said it and I don't regret it. He did. You heard me. Mitchell Trubisky did the damn thing. Buffalo at Chicago was most definitely a Mitchell Trubisky revenge game. I mean, nobody's ever going to hype an exhibition game for anything, but you know that Mitchell had that big, fat, red Sharpie out for that one. I mean, I'll get to Andy Dalton v. Justin Fields a little bit later on, but because those two are battling it out in the ashes of a stadium, because they're battling it out in the ashes of a stadium that Trubisky himself burned to the ground. On Saturday, you want to talk about a freaking laser show? Hey, listen, I've gone hard on this guy. I really have. But this is the beauty of me. Well, where do we even start when we talk about the beauty of me? The beauty of me is I'm accountable, and I'm going to call it the way I see it. This dude put on a freaking laser show. 20 of 28. 20 of 28 for 221 yards, a touchdown, and a passer rating of 106.2. He led Buffalo to 34 points in seven drives. He was absolutely surgical in the way he carved up that Bears defense. My man looked like Aaron Rodgers, Joe Montana, and Tom Brady all rolled into one. And he made Matt Nagy look like a fool. First drive, 72 yards, 10 plays, TD, 7-0 Bills. Now, I know if you're a Bears fan, you're like, yeah, whatever. I've seen that before. 
No way that chump does that again. Second drive, 11 plays, 64 yards, and this. Fake to Davis out of the backfield. Trubisky on the run, finding Kumaro. That's a touchdown. In front of Jalen Johnson, the South Elgin High School grad makes the catch for the score. Mitch Trubisky finds his receiver right across the middle of the end zone. Bet your ass. 14-0 Bills. I know you Bears fans are like, cool, fine, whatever. Exhibition game. Beginner's luck. Don't give a damn. Oh, yeah? Third drive. Eight plays. 53 yards. TD. 21-0 Bills. Yeah, all right. It's not so funny then, right? All of a sudden, this is not so funny anymore. Now you're trailing Mitchell by three TDs. Fourth drive. Four plays. 34 yards. Touchdown. 28 nothing Bills. Somebody pull Mitchell Trubisky the hell off of Chicago because he's absolutely killing them and humiliating them. And while Trubisky was murdering the Bears in cold blood, the Bears offense was going three and out, three and out, fumble, three and out. Look, I'm not saying that Mitchell Trubisky coming back and looking like a totally different quarterback is proof that the Bears have the wrong guy in Matt Nagy. But I'm also saying this. Whatever you do, don't buy into what he was saying after the game. Do not listen to Trubisky when he's saying stuff like this. I was excited. I was excited. I think uh, I stopped being anxious about three, four days ago. And I, I just felt really comfortable with the game plan, what all we were doing out there. And, and my teammates had, had my back all week. So uh, we had a great week of practice. We just got to continue to get back to work and keep getting better and growing as an offense. But uh, I was definitely more excited than anything out here. And I, I just felt really comfortable. You were just excited to be out there. Is that what you're going with, Mitch? Let me tell you something. That was not a dude who was, quote, just excited to be out there. That was John Wick in a Bills jersey looking to destroy and kill anybody and everybody who got in his way. Trubisky's out there like somebody killed his dog and stole his car. If you're a Bears fan, you tell me what's worse. Mitchell Trubisky punking you like that or the fact that you now have to realistically and legitimately ask yourself this question. What if he wasn't the problem? I mean, you can almost, almost see where Trubisky's coming from. Before the Bears lucked into fields, he must have been like, wait, what? All right, all right, you're not going to keep me, but you're going to replace me with Andy Dalton? I mean, is that not the equivalent of somebody throwing a drink in your face? Is that not the equivalent of somebody practically spitting in your face? Mitchell had to be thinking, man, I know the Bears had high hopes for me. I know I sucked. I know I was not clutch. I know I gave the coach every reason to bench me and then ultimately give up on me. But Andy Dalton? When you want to find great rates, organize your finances, or just make smarter money decisions, Lending Tree is here for you. With the Lending Tree app, you can see all your bank accounts at a glance so you can better understand your spending and your saving and build a budget that works for you. 
monitor your credit score, explore ways to improve your credit, get automatic alerts to protect your identity, and LendingTree can make sure you're getting your best deal on loans, insurance, credit cards, and more through their wide network of banks and lenders. LendingTree also gives you personalized tips and insight into how to save money and reach your financial dreams. For more than 20 years, LendingTree has helped millions of people simplify their finances with trusted education, expert advice, and comprehensive services. There are no subscriptions, no fees, no hassle, just easy, honest, straightforward support to make the most of your money and achieve greater financial health. Download the free LendingTree app right now and get started. See why thousands of people turn to LendingTree every day for smarter, easier finances. Terms and conditions may apply. NMLS number 1136. He is Charles Robinson, and he is all over the top stories around the league. Charles, good to have you back. My man, how you doing? Doing well, brother. How you doing today? Good, good. Good visit with you. Thanks for making time for us, as always. Let me start right here, Charles. One of the stories of the offseason, of course, has been the fact that Deshaun Watson wanted to be dealt and then numerous allegations came up against him. There is so much to this, but I want to start here. I want to start with a story that you told recently. You were talking to a GM of a team that might be interested in making a move for him. What was that conversation like? Well, I, I think it was just illuminating from the standpoint of, you know, we're sitting there in an office together, and, and as we're kind of walking through everything that's surrounding Deshaun Watson, um, you know, he kind of had the, the finer points of a legal defense sort of lined up in front of him. You know, he, he wasn't reading off a card. He wasn't, you know, uh, reading like a, a speech or anything like that. Like he knew what he was talking about. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, like, where, you know, where's this coming from? Like, it, I, I doubt it was coming from the security people. I doubt it was coming from just, you know, reading up on Deshaun Watson. He didn't have a legal background. And then he says to me, you know, right toward the tail end of the conversation, he says, well, you know, Rusty Harden's a really smart guy. Well, Rusty Harden's Deshaun Watson's attorney. He's a, he's a very well-known defense attorney here in Texas, has repped huge major cases, he repped, you know, Roger Clemens in the midst of the HGH thing, um, Adrian Peterson, ton of guys. If you, you have any athlete who gets in trouble in Texas, I guarantee you one of the first names you're steered toward is, is Rusty Harden. And it occurred to me then that, you know, if Deshaun Watson's ever going to get dealt, all these GMs, uh, team owners, they all have Rusty Harden on speed dial because it's Rusty Harden who's going to have to convince these teams, here's what this guy is facing, and here's why I think we're going to be able to beat this, um, whatever, whether it's the FBI investigation, whether it's the grand jury investigation, whether it's the Houston Police Department investigation, whether it's the NFL investigation, here's why I think we're going to beat all of them. And I don't think a trade happens unless Rusty Harden can convince another NFL team that you know he's got a, a basically he's riding a full house and and everybody else is you know representing crap. So I think it's really interesting though that this uh, this is sort of where this is developed. We all talk about Nick Casario, the general manager of the the Texans, and what can he do? But really, I think it comes down to what can the lawyer do? What can he convince other teams? What element of risk? Can he convince other teams to take? All right, so that is really, really interesting to me. Charles Robinson's joining us. So then to that point, what is Harden's argument when it comes to the accusations against Watson? Uh, it's pretty basic. There, he, I mean, he's straight up said these women are lying. Like, he's like, look, when it comes to, you know, the 22 civil suits that remain, um, he has represented from the start that's a cash grab. 
Um, he's put it in those terms before, and you know he's accused um, at least one, and you know really inferred more than one woman is you know attempting extortion um, against Deshaun Watson, and you know I think that's just his basis in, in you know argument. If we go to civil trial, whether it's one case or all 22 of these civil cases, we're going to prove that that there's nothing here, there's nothing of merit. It's simply you know these alleged victims. He says saw an opportunity to um, make some easy money and, and they all signed up with the same lawyer. And that's how he ended up in, in this space. And, you know, he's, there's been no wavering in that every time he steps in front of the cameras, he continues to say Deshaun Watson is the victim here. And ultimately he believes that's what he's going to prove out. And, and I'll tell you what, I think NFL teams, um, they're not closing their ears to it. You know, I think they're considering whether Rusty Harden is right or not. And I think the depth of the, you know, his argument, what happens in front of the camera, I would tell you that when he talks to these, you know, owners and general managers privately, there's probably a lot more that goes into it than, than what we're hearing publicly. Charles Robinson is joining us once again. So let me ask you this. At one point, the expectation was the league would put Watson on the commissioner's list, but that has not happened yet. Why is that? Well, I, you know, look, the league, they do what they want to do. This, you know, the, when it comes to, you know, the exempt list, the, you know, Roger Goodell, the commissioner, has the latitude to essentially play the player he wants um, onto it, you know, at his own whim. If he judges that, hey, there's something here to be investigated, there's whatever the allegations are, and it's something that may have violated a personal conduct policy um, in a way that pertains to landing on the exempt list, which is, you know, a crime of violence. Um, a potential felonious act. Um, you know, these are things that the, the league says, hey, if we're investigating that and we think that there's merit to it, we can set you aside on the exemplus. Now, why they have not done it with Deshaun Watson up to this point, if you listen to Rusty Harden, what he's saying is the league hasn't conducted its final and what I always call the grand finale interview, which is they always interview the, the, the athlete last, who's the focal point of whatever the league investigation is. And the NFL has not done that to this point. And according to Rusty Harden, the reason they're not doing that is because there are all these other criminal investigations that are going on, and the NFL's investigators don't want to trip up a criminal investigation. So, so according to Rusty Harden, the NFL is just going to take a back seat and say, once the criminal proceedings play out and those are concluded, that's when we'll finish our investigation into Deshaun Watson. And at least from what Rusty Harden is suggesting, that's why this you know, he really hasn't landed on the commissioner's exempt list at this point because look, they, they have not finished the totality of their investigation and won't until everything else runs its course. I mean, in no way am I trying to make light of this, but who would have ever thought that being under a criminal investigation and multiple probes might actually benefit the player, right? But weirdly, I mean, could that be a good thing if he wants to play this year because of all that? Well, it keeps him, it's keeping him on the roster, you know, it's keeping him on the field. He's not set aside and you know, if if it takes the the criminal investigations through the 2021 season and Rusty Harden is correct in that, you know, the, the league's not going to act on this until they can sit down with Deshaun Watson, then that means that they're not going to sit down with him anytime soon. You know, the longer that the criminal investigation takes takes place, and that's exactly it. It's weird. It's just this weird twist where um, the inability or the, the lack of motivation on the NFL's part to conclude this with Deshaun Watson prior to something going on, you know, something concluding in the criminal realm 
leaves it open-ended for him. So, you know, the Houston Texans, it, it puts the Houston Texans in a place where they're like, look, the league's not going to act here. And they're not going to essentially, um, you know, set them to the side with pay. It's, it's paid leave. That's really what the commissioner's exemplist is. If they're not going to do that, then the Texans have to make a decision here. Either they're going to say to Deshaun Watson, hey, okay, you're, you're our fourth quarterback or third quarterback or however we wrangle the depth chart, and we're going to carry around on the 53-man roster all season long, and you're not going to play, or they're going to trade him, or they're going to have to come up with you know some other element of a resolution here, or we're going to continue to see what we're seeing now, which is Deshaun Watson walking out on the practice field, not doing anything. It seems like this is becoming a more dejected experience for him as it goes on. You know, the last time he was out there, separated himself from the team. Um, you know, it clearly looks like there's more and more space growing between him and not just the coaches, but also the players. Charles Robinson joining us. I appreciate your thoughts and the work you've done in that story. Listen, before you go, I want to ask you about something because I've been given a lot of thought to this, and I really honestly cannot get my head around it, and I can't quite figure it out. And you addressed it on your pod to win the game. You were discussing the status and the future of Josh Rosen. Now, at one point when he was at UCLA, there was talk that he would be the first pick overall. How do you explain what has happened to him and the fact that it has happened so quickly and it keeps happening? I, I, it's kind of a mystery, to be right. honest with you. I mean, for the, for the element of talent that he has, and I don't think there's any question that, you know, coming in, uh, everyone I spoke to, you know, leading into the draft only, you know, three years ago, um, looked at him and said, hey, you know, natural stroke, um, he's got, you know, the, the element of what you need in terms of, you know, the right element of cockiness to be a quarterback in this league, you know, plenty of tools to work with. He can, you know, he can move. He's not just somebody who's dead in the pocket. Um, I, I would have thought that that would have been enough to keep him on an NFL roster, um, particularly, you know, his first two stops. Uh, you know, you would think one of those teams he would have stuck with, but now to be through three teams this quickly and then out of the league, um, particularly when the last two teams are the 49ers with Kyle Shanahan, loves to work with any quarterback who's got any element of talent, and then Bruce Arians, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, same deal. Look at Bruce's resume. He's dealt with all manner of quarterbacks, tons of talent, difficult guys to work with at times, trying situations, and yet these are both you know coaches that, that cut Josh Rosen loose. And remember, he doesn't cost anything. He didn't really cost anything for either of those teams, and yet you know both situations saw fit to, to not you know keep him around and develop him. I, it's it's inexplicable to me you know that he's out of the league at this point i'm sure he'll get another opportunity quarterbacks always do particularly ones with talent but um it's just when you break down that draft and you look at all the guys that were taking baker mayfield sam darnold you know josh rosen lamar jackson i just i wouldn't have thought rosen would be a guy who'd be out of the you know out of the league by the time he's approaching his fourth year i mean really quickly charles like it to me it's a mystery and i don't mean like a beautiful mystery like aaron Rodgers might call it it's just a mystery and like what do you think that is what does that say to you if the guys that you mentioned kyle shanahan and bruce arians of all guys if those two guys want nothing to do with you and to your other point it didn't really cost me anything anyway what does that say what's going on here well, not only that, you know, remember Tampa Bay, they needed a young backup quarterback. You know, they needed someone to groom behind Tom Brady. And I kind of thought when he landed in Tampa Bay, I'm like, okay, ideal situation. Tom's not going to be around forever. You know, at some point you're going to want to develop somebody behind him. 
And not only that, it would be great to be able to pair someone who's, you know, again, very confident in himself, has a high level of skill with a Tom Brady, and yet, you know, the Buccaneers moved on from him. I mean, look, the 49ers, you can argue, hey, they got Jimmy G. They already got to figure out what they got to do with Jimmy G. You know, Trey Lance is probably going to end up being the starter there, you know, sooner rather than later. I think he'll probably be the starter when the season kicks off. You can say, hey, the quarterback room is just too full at that point. And, and you could even argue that Kyle Shanahan is trying to do him a favor by cutting him loose a little earlier so that maybe he can catch on at some point before the season starts. But the Arian situation in Tampa Bay, that's the one to me that um, really calls into question, you know, wh- what exactly is going on there. And, I, and, again, I don't have anything to suggest that it's an attitude problem or that, you know, he won't accept coaching or anything of that nature. It's just for whatever reason, these teams have, have found a reason to look for talent elsewhere that they think is, you know, easier to develop at the stage. He is a senior NFL reporter for Yahoo, host of UPod to win the game. And we consider him a very good friend of this program. Charles, thanks so much, man. Great having you back. I always appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Jim. Be safe. Hey, you want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back that you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. Now, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations do apply. David Shaw is my guest. David, good to have you back. How are you? I'm great, Rome. How are you doing? Good, dude. Good. Always good to have you on. So let me start right here. We are less than two weeks away from your season opener against K-State. The country is still dealing with COVID and COVID protocols. But from where you're sitting, does it feel like there's a return to normalcy this season or something close to it? How does it feel to you? It really does. We're real close to normal. Um, We're still masking indoors here. Uh, We're still operating in such a way that keeps our guys safe. We have some guys that are unvaccinated, and we have a lot of our guys that are vaccinated, so we're just operating with caution. But we're still meeting. We're still going out there practicing. Our guys are still living relatively normal lives, although trying to be safe. Um, it's really, really close to normal. So, David, really quickly, like in terms of the guys who are unvaccinated, obviously it's a very personal choice, and I know you've got a great deal of respect for that. How do you process that? Like what kind of conversations do you have with guys who are unvaccinated, or maybe don't you? The first thing, I talk to them all the same. I talk to them all together and say, look, this is a private choice that you're making. Here's the information that we're giving you. But the bottom line is we came together to Stanford to do something great. You came to do something great on the field, do something great off the field. And we're on the same page. and We are together and we support each other's choices. So beyond that, whatever you choose to do, that's great. Uh, and we will come together and play this great sport, and hopefully all of our guys graduate and do something special beyond Stanford. David Shaw is joining us. You know, because of what you went through last year, there was this notion of a, quote, band of brothers feeling that came because of all the challenges that went with the COVID-related situation. I mean, you never want to go through something like that, but how valuable is it to be able to take an experience like that and create those kinds of bonds and relationships out of it? Well, the bonds are stronger sometimes when you go through things that are difficult. Um, so I tell these guys all the time, anybody who is successful in anything, they usually have a couple of scars, right? Cause sometimes that's what propels you for difficult things. And we lost our starting quarterback before the, the, the game, first game against Oregon with a bad test. Uh, we had a lot of things. We got kicked out of our County, but every week we got better. We got closer, we got tighter. 
and hopefully we can that continues on this season. Well, there's no doubt. Like I don't want to recap the entire year, and I know you're looking ahead, but I mean, you start off 0-2, and then you win four straight, and it's not just that you won four straight at the end, David. It's like what you were just talking about. You guys were holding practices at different high schools. You had a walkthrough in a public park. You had lost your quarterback. I mean, what was that whole experience like for you and the program? It makes you realize that you're not in control. And you know, you've talked to a lot of football coaches. That is the one thing that drives football coaches crazy more than anything is not being in control of your environment, not being in control of your team or your situation. But it made us nimble. Hey, we have to adjust. Hey, we started to smile and laugh when things went, got difficult, right? So the thing is, when we got in the middle of a game that was really tight and, and, and maybe the other team starts tightening up a little bit, our guys are like, hey, we've been living this for eight months, right? Throw, throw something in our face. Okay, great. We get tighter. We play better, and we're going to find a way to win, and that's what happened last year. I like it. Stanford head football coach David Shaw, my guest. All right, so in terms of the quarterback, Davis Mills goes to the NFL this year, so there is an opening to address at that position. Overall, though, let me ask you about the offense. When you look at the talent you have on the offense, does this feel like this might be one of the more, if not most, balanced groups you've had in a while there? It really does feel that way. Um, I think by the end of the year, people are going to see we may have one of the best running back groups in America. We have multiple guys that, that, are, that could be starters. Uh, they, they have some versatility. We've got a great group of tight ends that we feel great about. We've got a great group of receivers. So I think we're going to be able to get to our big people packages and throw those big offensive line out, linemen out there and run the power play. But we'll also be able to spread people out with five receivers and, and, and throw it that way. So and everything in between. So that's what I'm excited about. We have an opportunity to present the defense with a lot of different problems. We're talking to David Shaw. So when it comes to finding the guy that you want to have under center, you said something I thought very interesting recently when you were talking to The Athletic. You talked about authentic leadership at the quarterback position. What do you mean by that? How would you define authentic leadership? And what are you looking for from that guy? I I always look at it this way. Like, uh, people me and Jim Harbaugh kind of against each other for a bunch of different reasons, which some, some don't even make any sense, but it's because our personalities were, are so different. But the deal is that Jim is who he is and I am who I am and they both work. So leadership to me has a lot to do with being yourself and being open and being honest and your teammates, right? Your coaches or the people around you, they can trust who you're going to be. So it's okay if guys are different and lead different ways, as long as they are themselves and they come open and and aggressive and being themselves in those environments they get the proper response from the guys that they're leading we're talking to david shaw all right then so you mentioned the defense thomas booker is one of the best d linemen in the country and if that's all he was that would be pretty impressive in and of itself but he's also a double major who created a video for the pac-12 network about the differences between overt and covert racism what is it about this young guy that makes him so special in your mind Kind of what we just talked about, that authenticity. Um, he is open. He is honest. He is upfront. He is articulate. He is very, very smart. Um, and people are drawn towards him. So we go to the Pac-12 media days, and not only the media falls in love with him, the other players, the other staff members of the other schools are like, who is this guy? Right? He gets up there and he gives these speeches and he talks, but it's also very, very honest. It's very real. Um, so I'm excited about Thomas. He's going to be uh, hopefully an early-round draft pick in the NFL. Um, he might do some really exciting things on the NFL field. He might do some exciting things after his NFL career is done. 
Um, this guy, if he wants to run for president, uh, I'll write the, the, ballot, the ballot right now and vote for him. Um, but he might be a CEO of something else. But he's just one of those guys. When he walks in the room, you can feel his presence, and you know he's going to be he's going to be very successful. Yeah, coming from you, that is extremely high praise. I want to ask you about somebody else who I find very interesting, David Shaw, my guest. What about Jordan Fox? Now he was part of the 2015 recruiting class, but did not maintain his grades in high school, and as a result, he stayed in New Jersey. He worked two jobs, and he was taking online classes at a community college. He earned readmission to Stanford and will leave school with a bad bachelor's, and a master's. I mean, incredible stuff. What do you make of his journey, and what does he mean to your program? You talk about certain guys that are celebrities and superstars and certain guys that are kind of like a heartbeat, you know, and that's what Jordan Fox is. Jordan brings that New Jersey toughness, street cred. He also brings that intelligence. He also brings that openness, honesty, and say, hey, you know what? I made a mistake before, but guess what? I'm not going to run from it. I'm not going to blame anybody else. Uh, I'm going to become a better person for that. And that's what, Je- that's what Jordan has done uh, his entire time here. He has the ultimate respect from our staff, uh, ultimate respect from his teammates, and I'm excited for him to be healthy this year and go out there and play well. well so I mentioned you're going to open up the season against Kansas State in Arlington, and you're doing it at 9 o'clock our time, Pacific time. I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I can't imagine you were too thrilled with that. How are you going about getting you guys ready for such an early start when you're traveling east? Well, first of all, I, I try to make a big stink about this because I want our TV partners, I always put the air quotes on their partners because we're not really partners, but our TV partners to recognize that these are still college kids. These are these are not professional athletes. And to, to have somebody wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning, their time for, for a 9 a.m. game is, is an unfair thing. So what, what we're doing is we're going to let our guys get a lot of sleep during the course of the week leading up to it, but we're going to do – that kind of early morning wake up with a previous night run through a couple of times so their body feels it um, just to get them so that when we do it on game day, it's not foreign to their bodies. But um, we're going to try to make a push. And I'll even throw this out there for, to the ether who anybody, anybody wants to listen to it. That's one of the things I think Texas uh, and Oklahoma are going to have to account for by going to the SEC. You're going to play some early morning games that are not quite your, your body time for your players and that travel, it's more than they've had to do working in the Big 12. So that's one of those things, as you enter into an agreement like that, you would love to have some later times that, is, that are fair to your athletes so they can go out there and perform. I think it's really interesting. So like when that first hit your radar, and I mean, you're in it, so you know, but when you first heard that those two programs were headed there, what was the first thing that went through your mind? Well, first of all, I laughed um, because – if anything in the last you know year and a half, two years has really told us, which is everything's up for grabs in college sports right now. Um, so I kind of chuckled, but I, I rested back on this. Uh, my dad, a longtime football coach, he coached in the Pac-8, then he coached in the Pac-10. I played in the Pac-10, now I'm coaching in the Pac-12. So we're, we're not all we're not foreign to realignment, change, uh, schools changing affiliations through conferences. Um, this is kind of a big one, which might lead to more, but I think give it a year or two and everybody will get a seat. Everything will calm down. We'll draw some different lines. Um, hopefully we'll get this, this playoff thing right because I don't think the initial proposal is right. Um, hopefully now we can have everybody contribute uh, to what the playoff should be once all this realignment stuff happens to do something that makes something makes a lot of sense college football and fans of college football so dave what about the playoff what should that look like in your mind what would be right look i i've been saying the same thing since we started the playoff which i think the number is eight 
Um, I think 12 kind of disregards the entire season. Um, it'll make it really easy for someone with a light schedule to find their way in the playoff, whether they deserved or not. Um, I think eight makes it challenging enough, but it's big enough to include hopefully all five power conferences. If, if we still have five by the time this all comes, uh, but then also independence, um, also group of five. Um, so I think eight is the perfect number for me. If we find a, ma- a way to make it 12, then it needs, to, it needs to have a lot of parameters around it, in my opinion, which I think your show is not long enough to talk about. Yeah, well, it is, but I, I get that. I always appreciate the <laughs> candor and uh, respect the uh, honest response. Listen, one last thought, because you mentioned your dad, you mentioned you, and you've been a part of all of this. You've seen these changes. I had Mac Brown on the program recently, and we talked about the fact that there are so many changes, be it NIL, the transfer portal, et cetera, and coaches are under more pressure probably now than ever before, but Mac made it a point to say that I'm not going to give into that i'm going to focus on the fun i'm going to focus on being present what about you personally david how are you approaching the changing landscape the escalating pressure in college football and how do you maintain that right perspective and that balance of fun versus results well there's a reason why mac brown's been doing it for a long time and doing it at a high level that's what you do if you were a true in my opinion a true college coach of any sport you focus on your student athletes right the outside world's going to change and things are going to happen but some parents are going to give you some, some, some young people that you can help train and mold and find a way to have success in college and prepare them for life afterwards. That's what we really do. I can't really worry about all those other things out there and people are going to talk about money and all these other things are going to happen. I have over 100 kids that said parents, uh, parents, who, parents who gave me their children uh, to help them become true adults and play some football along the way. And that's what I'm going to focus on. So finally, and like, could you, you and I have done this so many times and I've, so many different ways I've said, yeah, well, David, what about the NFL? I get that with respect to that. But how important is that, that there are people entrusting you with their young men? Like if you ever left that, how much would you miss that? That's a big part of it. And I say this too, I, I coached uh, just under a decade, nine years in the NFL, and I have some really tight French friendships and relationships. You know, Tim Brown, Rich Gannon, you know, there's other guys that I really, really uh, been fond of that I have good relationships with. But I've coached here, and I have 10 times as many people because I played an important part of their lives. And if you're a coach, if you're a teacher, that's what you really do it for, right? We love the trophies. We love the wins. We love championships. And when you're 80 years old and you're kind of hanging out, you know, and you're fishing on the sidelines, you know, watching TV, that's what you're going to remember. You're going to remember, man, I really made a difference in those people's lives. Hmm. He's dead football football coach at Stanford. He has now been there 11 years. I ran down those credentials. A national coach of the year to boot. Also, the season opener is against Kansas State September 4th. It's an early start, 9 a.m. Pacific time. David Shaw, my guest. David, appreciate you. Appreciate the conversation and the relationship, man. Thank you so much. You got it. Always good to talk to you, Ron. In Milton. I think that's the first call through today, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's the first call this month, if I'm not mistaken. What's going on, Will? How are you? I'm doing just fine. Thank you. I appreciate you taking my call. You said earlier at the beginning of the show, you call on in, give me an A or an F, so I'll do my best. Friday's show was probably the trifecta of great shows for me because, number one, you had Kevin Kiermeyer. I'm a huge fan of his. Number two... You're listening to the Jim Rohn Show. That that speaks for itself. And number three, bowfish. And I loved bowfish. And I was so excited to hear that Kevin 
is a bow fisherman and he's thinking about doing a show and that you would want to be a part of it. That just really psyched me out and set up my weekend. In fact, I even came up with your theme song for your show. Let's have it. All righty. Fishing with Jim and Kevin on the lakes of Wisconsin. Join these buddies as they bond. Pulling bows, killing carp on them, their ponds. Sit back, relax, get yourself some good snacks. It's fishing time with Kiermaier and Romy. My man, go ahead and rack him. Good job, Will. Really well done. Parody Larry, you're fired, dude. That's how you do it. Good night now!